Typically on today's feast, there is a general misconception of the Immaculate Conception that is a false perception. And the reception of this exception to the result of the serpent's deception in a garden of man's conception. I had to practice that a couple times. <laughs> what am I talking about? What I mean is that uh, in this time of preparation, when we're looking forward to receiving Christ in the Christmas season, um, it's weird to hear the Immaculate Conception. We think of Jesus' conception, which is the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and she said, yes, at that moment, there was a conception of, of Jesus. Um, but what we're actually talking about, what we're celebrating, is, of course, the Marian feast, that Mary was actually immaculately conceived. Now, what does this mean? What it means is that, unlike all of us who were born with this stain of, of original sin that we all suffered from the mistake of our parents, Adam and Eve, that um, this was not the case for Mary. I think an interesting analogy that I've heard um, used to explain this is it's similar to, and it's easy to imagine this because we're in the pandemic right now, we can imagine what it's like to have this mass spread disease, but imagine some doctor came along during some kind of pandemic and there's a big disease and he offers a vaccine that cures but also prevents um, the sickness from happening. So for all of us in Jesus Christ dying and being raised and us being baptized, we have received this cure to original sin. But Mary was vaccinated previously and that she didn't have this original sin. She was born without sin, which is incredible. And the reason was she was being prepared to, to bear Christ. She was being prepared to bring God into the world. That God could have actually done it in a lot of different ways. He could have um, saved us. That Lord, the Lord's power and his, um, his influence is unimaginable. We can't even conceive it. But he chose this path. This is more fitting. This fitting path that the Lord should come from us. That he could be, would become one of us. Be born of, of a woman and then die and suffer for us and raise us up. Our very nature that we hear in the second reading, that that was always the plan for us to be adopted children of God. That was always part of the plan before the fall. And even after the fall, that still remained that plan of salvation. Now what's incredible is the parallels we see in all this. And it's interesting, sometimes you might wonder, well, why, how do they figure out the readings that they read at Mass? Sometimes it's less obvious. Especially for me as a preacher, sometimes I see the readings and I think, how am I supposed to connect these? But today we're very lucky because we have an exact parallel. It's incredible to see this, this image of Adam and Eve and then Mary and Jesus at his conception. This parallel of the old Adam and Eve who ushered in sin and Jesus, the new Adam, and Mary, the new Eve, ushering in the, our salvation. This, this new era of, of um, this new creation of um, of our salvation. So we see there's a parallel of, of Adam and Jesus, that through Adam, um, sin came into the world, through Adam and Eve, and um, through Jesus, that sin was reversed. It was turned on its head. It was conquered by Christ. Um, so we have the new Adam, Jesus. Then we have the new Eve, of course, because we need a new Eve. Um, and that's Mary. Whereas um, Mary actually said, or uh, where Eve said yes to the serpent, she said yes to, um, to this, this fall, to this turning away from God, cutting herself off from God. We have Mary's simple fiat, her yes to Christ, and her willingness to cooperate with our salvation, we cooperate with Christ, with God in our salvation. Then we have the, the light bearer, Lucifer, the, the snake, who is tempting um, Adam and Eve, who tempts Adam and Eve into taking the forbidden fruit, 
But then you have Gabriel who came and invited Mary. He said, be not afraid. He's told, he, told, um, he, he greeted Mary um, with reverence. And, and even in that, that instant of fear where she's fearful and not understanding, that, um, that desire to, to draw her in to say, I'm coming from the Lord and I invite you. That this is your choice. I can't force this upon you. This has to be your choice. So we have these two images then too. The beginning, the selfishness of desiring to know more, to have this power, to have this pride. And then the reverse is selfishness. Selflessness. That Mary didn't want to do it for her own sake. That she did it completely out of her faith, out of her desire to serve the Lord. Out of, out of a desire to cooperate with God. And this can't have been easy. Um, and like I said, it was her choice. That she wasn't forced to make this choice. She had complete freedom. She could have said no. That even in being prepared and being born sinless, that she still had free will. She could have said no, but she said yes. That she had that desire to to work with the Lord, to to rely on the Lord, to grow closer with the Lord, and ultimately to say yes. Even if there is that tint of fear, even though there is that little bit of uncertainty, she didn't know what was going to happen. If she'd known, maybe, well, she she did. She shared the prophecy early on what would happen. She didn't endure great sorrows, great pain, great suffering, um, seeing um, Jesus suffering on the cross that she would, her heart would be pierced seven times over. Um, so I think it's, it's a really incredible witness for us as well, that Mary is the best of us, the best of humanity, that yes, of course, through Jesus Christ, we, um, we are redeemed, but Jesus Christ is both God and man. Mary, on our behalf, actually said yes. She chose to, on our behalf, accept and cooperate with God's plan for salvation. And that, in that sense, she is the best of us. That we should always look to Mary as an example and strive to be like Mary. Now, I think another thing that's interesting, too, is that this is the, um, the, uh, the feast, the um, solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Not the Immaculate Birth, not the Immaculate Birthday, but the Immaculate Conception. And, of course, today's political climate, um, when we hear conception, it can kind of trigger us in one way or another, can trigger many people. But I would like to, to, to invite you to peel back any kind of political biases, any kind of personal frustration with this idea, and look at Mary and her situation. That she was just about to be married. That she was, wed, uh, she was being wed to Joseph. And here she was approached by an angel. And just that alone should have struck fear into her heart, uncertainty. But then on top of that, the reality of she said yes, what would that mean? She didn't know. What would that go? Where would that go? How would Joseph react? How would her parents react? How would society react to that? But then in all this, she trusted in the Lord. She saw the goodness of what the Lord was bringing to her. The goodness of the, that the Lord wanted to bring about through her with her cooperation, with her free choice to do so. And Mary chose yes. She said yes on our behalf. She saw the beauty and she saw the importance of that. And she said yes. That in being conceived, in her very existence, that she was predisposed in a certain sense, yes, to, to respond to that. And she is the, the very best of who we are, to, to be the one to really cooperate with the Lord's um, plan for salvation. But she had that choice, and she chose yes. I think it's, it's worth just reflecting on that, the beauty of God's plan, the surrender to God's plan, and saying that simple yes, even especially in times when we are uncertain and we're, we're fearful, even if we know um, that there might be struggle and pain and suffering, 
Um, but especially in those times where we feel that fear is trying to lead our decisions, that we are not led by fear, but to be like Mary um, in, that, in that face of fear, in suffering and distress, that she clings to faith. She clings to that love of God. Um, so I think um, one closing statement for the Immaculate Conception is that it's really uh, the reality that Mary is actually uh, an image for us as the church that each and every one of us are part of the church, that we are all called to, to follow the Lord's call to holiness. We're all to, called to make our own little yes, that um, not being like Mary, not being born without sin, but actually having uh, gone through the salvific waters of baptism, having been adopted into divine sonship and daughtership, that we too um, are called to be like Mary, to imitate Mary and to imitate, through her, to imitate Christ. Um, and doing so to have that simple faith, that simple yes, even in those difficult times, that um, as a church we are called to imitate Mary. And we don't do it perfectly. The church is uh, the human side of the church. The, church, the part we're in charge of, um, as we all see and we have seen, is, is flawed. It's not perfect. But as being part of the church, and yes, we are, we all make up the church, um, that we are all contributing to that, that move to imitate Mary so that we can simply and joyfully and wholeheartedly and faithfully say yes to the Lord. Amen.